Is your mic? Oh, you have flowers. That's awesome. You look good up there. She hadn't changed a, long a bit, has she? Ago. <laughs> no, you look great. Um, this morning's going to be a little bit different. Um, 23 years ago today, Wendy and I got married. 23 years ago. Wow. <clears throat> so, like, 23 years ago, I was a, I was a nervous wreck. Um, so, I was, we got married at four, is that right? Yes. Okay, oh, good. I was hoping I'd get that right. Um, so, I was like, at this point, 23 years ago, I'm, I'm hours away from um, marrying the love of my life. So I'm excited, I'm afraid, I'm thankful, I'm overwhelmed. Um, and that was uh, without really even understanding what the big deal about marriage was, you know. Um, I think I was probably more nervous about what it would be like to live with somebody else. Like, what, what can you say? Um, what can you allow to escape from your body after eating Mexican, right? <laughs> like, do you have to go to another room for that? Can you do that just, in, can you do it in the bed and pull her head under the covers? I don't know. I mean, can you do it? So, are are we moving on from that? that (laughs) So, here we are 23 years later. I have a much greater appreciation for for marriage, for what it's about. We're absolutely not perfect. Um, But this morning, I wanted Wendy to be up on the platform with me. As it turns out, I'm not smart enough to figure this stuff out. You'll be going through Ephesians, right? So, just so happens today that we're in Ephesians chapter 5. You can turn there. Verses 21 through 33, which is the section that Paul wrote about marriage on our 23rd wedding anniversary. How cool is that? Like, we could never have planned that. I'm not that smart. Um, so here's the deal. You've got some note sheets. You can't actually access the sermon notes because I've been told that the Internet's down. But you can get those when you get home. Um, but we just want to kind of make this as informal as possible and just kind of work through, you know, these verses and kind of just share a little bit about what what I've learned and what Wendy's learned, which is a lot because she's been married to me. For, I mean, she's been married to me for 23 years. Can you believe that? Wow. She has a lot to share. Um, it's been great. Yeah. Thank you. I'll pay you later. Okay. okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. Let me just kind of, I want to kind of set the table very quickly. I'm going to read you some things. I want to make sure I get this right. Um, it's easy to check out on a day like today. All right. Because we're talking about marriage. So it, you could be, um, you could have failed in marriage. And, and unfortunately, that describes a lot of people. Here are just a few stats. Listen, in our country, we're getting married later in life and we're getting married less. We're waiting longer to get married and we're staying in it less time. Um, and we're getting, we're actually getting married less. The divorce rate has dropped slightly. It used to be one out of two. Now it's actually like in the 40 to 50% range. So it's going down some, which sounds really good, right? It's like finally people are going to church. Mm, maybe not. Here's the thing. Living together is up 17 times what it was 50 years ago. So the fact that people are getting divorced less, actually it's because they're getting married less. We're living together more. Um, couples that live together do so even though they're 46% more likely to divorce. So I, I'm, we're counseling, you know, we counsel people before they get married. If I could say to them, hey, I got this thing that you can do that will guarantee 46% of the time that your marriage will fail. Want to do it? They'd be like, no. But we're doing that as a, as a country. 
We're living together more, even though it gives us a greater percentage of chance of ending up in divorce. Of those who don't divorce, the percentage of married couples who would say that they are very happy, those are the words in the survey, is your marriage very happy, has decreased over the last four decades. So some people are hanging in there, like we're doing it for the kids, but they hate it. They're not happy. So here's the thing. It's not a stretch to say that we aren't good at marriage. Can we just go ahead and say that right up front? As a culture, we're not good at marriage. And I don't want you to think that we're up here because we're the, you know, the epitome of marital success. And I just want to be like Paul and Wendy. I mean, you want to be like Wendy. That's a good goal, right? Um, but we're not up here because we're experts. We're really just up here because, like, we're the survivor couple of marriage. Like, if you just can outlast, you can win, right? I mean, if you just stay married, you can win. Um, that's kind of why we're here. So, listen... It's important for us to know what God says about marriage, all right? Because here's, here's your big idea. I want you to write this down at the top of your, of your sheet if you got one. Satan uses marriage in his shame plan. So if you're sitting here today, um, you may be going, I can't really, I don't want to be here. Paul's talking about something I failed at. Um, I can't find the right guy. I mean, Satan loves to use marriage to shame people. Okay? So that's why when we start talking about marriage, people are either like, this is going to be great. They're like, ugh, why did I come today? And can I slip out and still get a snack on the way? Satan uses marriage in his shame plan, but God uses it in his game plan. Okay? That's what we're going to talk about today. Ephesians chapter 5. Don't know if you know this or not, but um, active... I love when people do surveys. They define everything to the T, right? Not just Christians, but it's like active, conservative, Protestant, evangelical Christians. It's like if you fit all that, you're 35% less likely to divorce. So you ever heard the stat how in the church the divorce rate is just as bad as in the world? Yeah, that's for people that play church and don't actually love Jesus. But people that are active conservative, like actually living faith in Christ together are 35% less likely to divorce. That's good news. And so what that says to me is I want to see what God has to say about marriage. Okay, you with me? It's kind of setting the table. All right. Well, I'm, trying, I'm trying to talk fast enough so I can stop talking so you can have the floor. All right, so here we go. you got three things we're going to talk about, three different groups that Paul talks to. The first one is um, he talks to everybody. So no matter where you are today, um, if you're single, divorced, if you're happily married, or, <clears throat> sorry if this is true for you, bitterly married, verse 21 is for you. Here's what it says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So everybody look around the room. Go ahead. Turn your head. We're actually all called to submit to everyone in Christ. So if you're thinking, um, well, you know, this doesn't really apply to me. I'm not really married. Yeah, it does. Okay, the marriage part might not, but the submission part does. We're all called to submit, um, not because it's fun, because we want to, but because it's something that we're supposed to do when we're in Christ. Um, that phrase that we've, how many times have we read that in Ephesians, uh, that we're in Christ? Um, here it is again. 
So in Christ, because we're believers, because we're following Jesus, we submit to one another. Um, I want you to keep your finger here and turn back like a quarter of an inch to the left in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. It's the second gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 10. How are we doing? Good? So Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and they start having a little squabble about who's going to be really important. Has that ever happened to y'all? You ever have people that um, are full of themselves? <laughs> are you sitting next to them now? <laughs> yeah. Ironically, it's my spouse. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. They kind of get full of themselves. And so he says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles... Lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Now listen, at this point, Jesus is going to say something that's so counter-culture to them. Because in this society, it's all about power. It's all about, you know, who's holding the mic, who's got the gun or the whip. They have guns. Who's got the whip? You know, who can exercise power over somebody else? That's their whole culture. And Jesus is looking at these guys. He's training them to be leaders in a culture, in a revolution. And he's going to say something right now that's so countercultural. He's going to rock their world with four words. And here's the four words. And if you don't write anything else down today, I want you in that first blank where it says something for everyone. I want you to write these four words. Not so with you. And just with four words, he rocked their world. What does that mean for us? It means if we're Christ followers, we can't approach marriage with an Oprah mindset or a Dr. Phil mindset or the flavor of the month pop psychologist on TV with a talk show host mindset, right? We have to approach marriage from a Christ, a Jesus mindset. And, and what is Jesus' mindset? He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So serving makes us great. Serving gives us honor. Serving actually, according to this, puts us in a position to see the lost get found. Not having a really slick evangelistic program, nothing wrong with those, but being servants puts us in a position like Jesus to see the lost be found, to give our lives as a ransom for many. So this morning we start talking about submission, um, and we'll, I'm gonna, I gotta, don't do it, don't show it yet. We got a picture we'll show you later that'll really help you understand what submission's not. Let me just say this for now. We think of submission as a concept of power. Is that fair to say? But God thinks of submission as a concept of position. It's a position concept. It literally is a military phrase in the Bible for getting troops in the right place. Um, We don't think of things from a military standpoint. I think of things from a football standpoint because it's more fun. You know, nobody pays a ticket to go to war, right? I'd like to watch the war now, but we'll watch people kill each other with pads on. Um, So from a football standpoint... Submission is more about a game plan. We're going to look at ladies and men and husbands and wives, and we're going to see that you know, like they're equal, but yet they've all got a different position to play. Okay, So when you think submission, I want you to think 
not power, but position. Because when things are aligned in the right order, they work. Don't have this in my notes, but a great living illustration of this is that yesterday I busted my finger putting a starter on my car. Yay me, right? Now, what I have learned in the last 36 yay hours of my life is that there's a battery that when you crank the car gets an electrical current that gets sent to something called a solenoid which is attached to something called a starter. I like names like starter because it, like you know what it does. Like, what's the starter do? It starts things, right? And so the power goes through the starter and it gets shot to some thingamajig that then gets shot out and when it turns it connects with a flywheel. Are you impressed yet? Yeah, and the flywheel turns and the car goes and I put a starter on the car. Yes, thank you. See, you men have um, influenced my husband, Joe. Your husband is Joe? What? No, many of you men. Oh, okay. I thought you said your husband was Joe. Um, So, what did we learn from that? One, don't call me to put a starter in your car because it was all I could do to get it on mine. Um, And two, there is an order to things. See what I'm saying? So, like, (laughs) if the starter says, I want to be the flywheel, my car's not going anywhere. Does this sound familiar to the part of the Bible that we've studied before? If the hand says, I want to be the eye, if the arm says, I'd rather be the leg, nobody on the body is saying, I want to be the crack, right? So it's not happening. But somebody's got to, you know, just saying, right? I mean, it's the part that's there. So I'm not going to start naming who I think here is that part, but it's, it's me. It's, just my, I'm that, it's my part, it's the part I play. But the point here is that there's, there's an order. So when we think submission... It's not about power. That's really critical because when he's getting ready to start talking, you're going to hear that word a lot, and you're going to want to just turn it off because of how we've been taught it, it is. It's about position. God wants to make sure we're in the right place. So God's game plan in marriage is that we're on the same team. We might play different positions. Submission is how we make sure we're moving in the same direction. So um, not so with you. Those are your four words. Not so with you. So if you walk out of here today... We're hanging out at a, a, a restaurant tonight, whatever, when, tomorrow, and you're talking to your friend who's not a Christian, and you start spouting this stuff out, they're going to look at you and say, you need to read some magazines because that's stupid. And you're like, yeah, I get it. Like, Oprah thinks it's stupid. But Jesus said, right, there's a game plan. God has a game plan. Satan has a shame plan. His shame plan is, hey, try marriage. Do the best you can. <laughs> you'll fail. And then you'll have this, like, red letter on your chest. And you'll walk around shamed all the time. I can't do anything for God. I couldn't even make my marriage work. I can't find the right guy. Whatever. I took all the cosmopolitan tests. I'm the perfect person and can't find him. Shame. But God has a game plan, okay? And that's what this passage is all about. So, I've talked enough. What? <laughs> it's hard to read. Sorry. Um, boop. There you go. Beauty of iPads. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. This is for the ladies. Here's what it says. And it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. 
as much as you want to talk, I, I'd really love to know from a wise perspective, how do you hear those verses? With much um, prayer and study this week, um, Paul and I talked about this, that in this portion of scripture that we're looking at, um, ladies, I, I know it doesn't seem like in our culture, but we get out easy um, because three verses are for us and nine are for you husbands. Um, what struck me here in this verse is that we um, submit to our husbands as we um, um, to our husbands as unto the Lord, and so ultimately that is who we submit to. And, and position, talking about position, is we submit to Him, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, God the Father, and then we submit to our husbands. And the beauty of that that we've just that we have just studied, um, this is one. It's a command. This is not an option if we're followers of Jesus. It, it's a command from God for us to do because so much more is at stake than just our marriages and our little self. Um, the gospel, lost people, that is what is at stake. That this picture, that God has created this picture to point people to him. But he doesn't leave us there. He just doesn't say to do that. He says back in verse 18... Um, that he he wants us to be filled by his spirit. So he enables us to do that. He enables us to submit. He enables us when it's difficult, um, when it's easy. He enables us to do that. We draw on his power, and I think... Um, we forget that, that we're supposed to do this on our own and we're supposed to figure it out and read a bunch of books and talk to people that have great marriages, but we forget that we have power dwelling inside of us when we're struggling and when we're having a hard time submitting. So there's that word submit again, right? So should we show them that picture of yes. what submission isn't? Yes. Go ahead and pop that up on the screen. It's hard for you to see this, um, but the top is management and the bottom is employees. Okay, um, if we're honest, I hope that we are learning to be honest. This is how we see submission. Okay, especially and and I'm not just I was gonna say especially from the, the woman's perspective, but men see it this way too. Like, hey, woman, submit. Um, that's not what submission is. This is this is about power. And so what happens in this transaction is somebody wins and somebody. Well, somebody really loses in this transaction, right? This is not a terrible picture. Um, but that's not submission. And what you're going to find as we go through this is that in submission, actually, everybody wins. True biblical submission, everybody wins. Um, let's talk about what, what submission isn't. It's, it's not about being abused, right? I mean, I don't think that's what God wants. It's not about you being silenced. Um, it's not about women not being smart. We both have master's degrees. She has a much higher GPA than I do. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. As a matter of fact, every church I've ever worked in, when we've left, they've been like, we're going to miss you, Paul. Wendy, we're really going to miss you. You know, like she's an asset. She does so many good things. So it's not about, um, you know, that you can't 
do stuff that you can't hold me accountable. Um, talk about that for a little bit. Um, we have to remember, I think as I was studying this for this, we have to remember that we're both created in God's image, that we are image bearers of his. And so when he created us, that he, um, we bear his image and we look like him. We have value and worth um, together, not that one is better or more valuable to God, that he created us equally. Um, the, just the world has screwed that idea up when you look at that picture. Um, we may um, have a different position, different roles or responsibilities, but the bottom line is that we both have to be obedient and have to, we have responsibility in our lives to bear that image of God. And so um, I think women think, well, then I'm just not good enough and I can't talk, I can't speak, I can't have an opinion. Um, and that's not the case because actually it's up to your husband to value that in you and support that and, and bring that up. Yeah, Galatians, it's the verse that you were kind of alluding to. Galatians uh, chapter 3, 26, 27, and 28. Here's what it says. You were all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were, who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You see all these phrases again? In Christ, with Christ. All right. So here's verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ... Uh, raise your hand if you belong to Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is not a men win, women lose religion. We all win. All of us win. Submission is not um, that, you know, I'm better than Wendy. And she better know her place. And her place is under me. That's not submission at all um now let me just say this maybe to the men it doesn't mean that you get to boss my wife around because you're a man yeah let me say that again because men are slow to learn it does not mean you get to boss my wife around because you're a man that doesn't make you godly that makes you a jerk okay so at the gathering you don't get to walk in and play your man card well i'm a man woman now you're a jerk, and I'm not sure you're a man, actually, and you're fixing to be a dead man at that, <laughs> right? So it's not men, women, and the kids. We're all one in Christ. We're all on the team, um, and that's huge. I want to make sure that you guys get that. Um, submission is um, it's not from a power mindset. It's from a position mindset. Anything you want to add there? Is that good she was like paul just talk a lot and i'll just nod my head it's like no we can't do that you've got so much to say well i know we'll eventually get to it i'm not used to speaking and having an outline all this good stuff um forget the outline it's not any good just go um i i you know i love the word of god i love studying the word of god it's i mean it's it's life to us as believers in Christ. And so studying this week, when you, 
when you look at what he's writing to the Ephesians, you have to take in context of what's happening and how women are viewed. And I may be jumping way ahead. Um, but how women were viewed then. And women were viewed as property and had no voice, had no opinion. And in certain parts of the world today, they are treated that way. And so what God did in his word is he elevated wives. He elevated wives right here. And can you imagine how women in the church hearing this for the first time, how that might have, how that changed their life. And how when men, husbands that love Jesus, how they started living this out and how this changed their community. I mean, it blew my mind to think about that, that this this is a big piece of what made the church get bigger and spread and change culture then. And we don't change culture very much, but how incredible it would be that we live our live our lives and our and live in our marriages in such a way that we would change Stanley County and that people would want to know what is going on. Um, Bethany Thompson's um, parents are in Papua New Guinea, and she shared a story. Her parents shared a story with us of how women were treated in that community and that when a husband got saved, how he began to value and treat his wife as an equal changed the community, that people noticed that and wanted to know about that. That's what the power of the gospel is supposed to do. It's supposed to change our community, our lives, our community. Yeah, that, I mean, that was what Bethany's mom said was that was the evidence in that community that those people had given their hearts to Jesus. Not like memorizing scripture, how the men treated their wives. It's huge. It's huge. Um, let's give you a couple of verses you can write down if you want to. So what is submission? Um, we tried to find a really good definition. Hard to find a good definition for submission. No, <laughs> no, I don't know. So here's a few things we can give you. Um, submission is being like Jesus. This is to the ladies. Okay, submission is being like Jesus, and to all of us if we're submitting to one another. Submission is being like being like Jesus. Luke 22:42. Um, Jesus talks about not my will being done, but God, your will be. See, even Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Even Jesus submitted. He submitted to the Father. So that blows my mind, right? So submission is not a bad thing if Jesus is doing it. So when we submit, we're like Jesus. Um, let's talk about 1 Peter. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3. There's some truth there for wives that are living it with, especially with... Um, well, is it jerks of husbands? Is that any? Don't raise your hand if they're with you. <laughs> any of you wives married to a jerk? Um, sometimes it's like, okay, I get it. We have to submit, but what if he's a jerk? First um, Peter, chapter three. Do you want to read that? Yeah, let's just yeah, just start reading. We'll go with verse one. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of 
your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words, and they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Can I finish reading it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They trusted God and accepted authority of their husbands. That that really, last night we were talking about this, that really jumped out to us. Submission is beautiful. Did you catch that? Like, I don't know how much time, um, I was a youth pastor for 20 years, so I know girls spend a lot of time in the mirror, in front of the mirror fixing their face and all. Guys spend more, just so y'all know. Guys are always checking themselves out. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to make the outside beautiful, but here's what it said. Let me read it to you again. Verse 5. 1 Peter 3, 5, for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. Like, you want to be beautiful? Submission's beautiful. Not outhouse submission, right? That's, that's not beautiful and doesn't smell beautiful. That's terrible. But position on the same team, different roles, that's, that's beautiful. Um, Another word um, for submission is respect, and it's also used at the end of that chapter in Ephesians 5. Um, I loved, it, it means to notice, regard, honor, prefer, defer to, encourage, love, and admire. And that's what we're called to do as opposed to what our husbands are supposed to do, which I will get into. Yeah, she respected harder. me yesterday, right? <laughs> she walked in the bathroom and said, I notice a lot of blood. <laughs> there was a lot of blood yesterday from a very small cut. I bleed like a little girl. Um, I'm just going to throw some things out there. You talk, you, you speak if you need to about this, okay? Um, as a man... Submission, it doesn't scare me to submit to Jesus. Okay, does that make sense? Because Jesus is good. I I know he's got my best interest at heart. Um, I have submitted to bosses before that I didn't feel had my best interest at heart. It's a little scary. I cannot imagine as a wife submitting my entire life to another human. That sounds scary to me, okay? Okay. and here's what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6 says. Again, they're talking about submission and all that, and how it's, it's beautiful, and this is how women of the old, they were holy, and this is what they did. Verse 6 says, like Sarah, who was the wife of Abraham, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. Now, um, Wendy does not call me her master. Do you? No. No. She has... <laughs> She has some pet names for me, but they're not Lord and Master of the Universe. Um, so, <laughs> he's like that. <laughs> I'm going to get a t-shirt made. I am Lord and Master of a Universe of One. Um, 
So I don't want you to read that and think, like, okay, we're going to start calling our husbands master and Lord. Um, that was just a way of reverencing him, honoring him. But here's what it says. You are her daughters, this is to the women, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, here's why that's really important. Because submission, now again, I'm talking from a man's perspective, so correct me, okay? Submission sounds vulnerable, sounds very scary. And so if he's talking here in First Peter about how Sarah was the perfect example of submission, and he's encouraging us to be like Sarah, but then he says, don't follow the way of fear, then submission's not the way of fear, okay? The way, outhouse submission, fear. Position, submission, <laughs> it's almost like a rhyme. That's peace. I mean, I mean, can you talk about, I mean, how does submission give, does it give peace? Yes, it does. Um, well, and we'll be, you'll be talking more about what husbands be are talking more. for wives. Um, but it does, it, I mean, we know, many of us know the story of Sarah, and she did not handle things right. She got before and tried to make things happen, which we try to do sometimes. Um, but the end of the story is she did submit to her husband. And when we recognize as wives that the buck stops with you, um, that, it, that you're held accountable for me, you're held accountable for how you love me and take care of me, um, you answer to God for that. I don't answer to God for that. I answer for we God for... We didn't have to mention that. We could have kept that between us. Yeah, yeah. So you have much more responsibility than I do. And, I, you know, some women are put in... A, some wives are put in a position where they have to take on more responsibility. And God didn't design it that way. We're to do things together, but you have more responsibility than I do. And so many wives and women have to take that role up and it's very stressful it's very hard for them and God didn't design it that way for you he designed it so that you would be taken care of not that you can't do things and not that but that the position is so that you can flourish so that you can be what he wants you to be and not um, be stressed and have to deal with the difficulty of doing it all so let me answer this um, a couple of statements to the wives, and then we'll move on to the men. Um, who do wives submit to? Verse 22 of Ephesians 5, they submit to Jesus first. Always Jesus first. And then they submit to their own husbands. Their own husbands. Everybody say own. <laughs> their own husbands, okay? So, again, I'm going to say you can't play your man card here and say, well, I'm, because I've got a certain biology, I'm better than you. No. I mean, I'm not the best fighter, but I will beat you up if you talk to my wife like that. Um, they submit. And I think that it would, that, when we submit to Jesus first, that makes it, I don't know, that enables us to be able to submit to our husbands, especially when they're jerks and they, they aren't. No, I mean, you're, you're speaking hypothetically yeah, at this hypothetically. point. Yeah, <laughs> When they act like jerks, they may not be a jerk. But Again, when they hypothetically. Like a, a, a I have no recollection. I'm misremembering. Because it doesn't, um, the command doesn't change if they're a good husband or a bad husband. Um, it certainly makes it more difficult for us as wives. Yeah. 
but when we ultimately, um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we submit to Jesus, that is our ultimate authority. Yeah. As wives. So let me let's let's sum it up this way for women, and we're not trying to be too simplistic, okay? So here's a couple of questions that you could have. What if my husband is a jerk? Submit to Jesus. Submit to Jesus. And if you submit to Jesus, one day your husband may not be a jerk. That's what we read in First Peter, right? Um, now, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. What if my husband is amazing? And all the men are like, yeah, that's me. Finally, we're getting to me. What if my husband's amazing? What's the wife called to do then? Submit to Jesus. Because some days he won't be. Okay? It's always submit to Jesus. Always submit to Jesus. Always submit to Jesus. Period. That's your call. That's what we're called to do. Um, all right, men. And then, oh, in com- when you're, men. and then in community, when you're struggling in your marriage, we do real marriage on Sunday nights. When you're, not that everyone in there is struggling, but growing, we grow together. We're in this together. So when we are struggling, we, we have other women. We have other believers in Christ. We have other couples that help us walk through because some women are really struggling in their marriage and they desire something different than what they have. And so we don't make light of that at all. We know that it's difficult. We understand that. But we're here at the gathering as a community to help each other, to love on each other and pray for each other. I'm sorry, I just wanted to get that out there before we jumped into the husband. You just need to know your place. All right. Kidding. Give me your hand. Look at the camera. Hey, Hope and David, we're holding hands while we talk. They asked us to do that. Okay. Um, we can still hold hands if you want to. It's awkward with the mic, but um, let me just paint a picture as we move to the men, okay? What does it mean to submit to Jesus? Because that sounds really simplistic. And, and I'm not a woman, so I, again, and I, you always have permission to come tell me, hey, you're a jerk. Um, I might not agree with you, but you can tell me. But here's the picture, okay? Women are called to submit to their husbands, who we're getting ready to see right now are called to submit to Jesus. And so women are submitting to Jesus through their husbands. Does that make sense? So if their husband's a jerk, you're still submitting to Jesus, who is a whole lot bigger than your husband. Um, I want you to know this, that I have told Wendy from the day we were married, I don't know how other people see submission, but I see submission like this. You're smarter than me. You're nicer than me. You're more beautiful than me. You've got better perspective on situations than I do. And so your job as my wife is to tell me everything. Nail me to the wall. Because I have to stand before God someday. And do not let me stand before God and make bad decisions because you knew something and were afraid to tell me. Now, previous generations, submission meant wives know a lot more than their husbands but had to keep their mouth shut. But that's not what the Bible teaches, okay? It's not, that's not it at all. So, men, um, verse 23 says this, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So here's what that means. Um, we can act like we're not the head of our families, but we don't have a choice over that. We are the head of our wives. 
we are, and again, this is not power. This is not, I'm in the upper outhouse and she's in the lower outhouse. This is just like I'm the quarterback. That's kind of the deal in our family. I call the play. We, but we've all got parts to play. And so I can't say to God, I don't want to be the head of the house. Because he'll look at me and say, that's not actually an option. My only option is I'm going to be a good head of my house or a really bad head of my house. Okay? You got that? It's not an option. I'm either going to be a good one or I'm going to be a bad one. Um, so here's, again, when you mention this, I want to make sure that you men get this. Because it's easy as a man to start thinking, oh, yeah, this is a good message for us because she has to submit to me. But what Paul wrote here was three verses of instruction for the women. And nine for the men. Does anybody know why? Because men are slower. We need more instruction. Our job is tough. Nine verses to try to get this through the men. So here's what men are told to do. Women are told to submit. Husbands are told to love. If you're sitting next to your spouse, this would be a good time to hold your hand, right? Love her. <laughs> I'm loving you. <laughs> you know, you're so sweet. <laughs> you know, we're called to love our wives. Um, now, how are we called to love our wives? We're called to do two things. One, be loved by Jesus. And two, love like Jesus. So you can't do the second one if you hadn't had the first one happen. You can't really love like Jesus if you haven't been loved by Jesus. That's why, again, back to that mindset. The Oprah mindset doesn't help. Dr. Phil doesn't help. It's the Jesus mindset. He's got to love. We've got to be, be loved by him. So how does Jesus love his bride? Because this is what he says. Um, husbands, in verse 25, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How does Jesus love his bride? I'm called to love my bride like Jesus loves his bride. So here's some ways. You want to say something? Jump in there? No. <laughs> here's some ways that Jesus loves the bride. Four things he does. One, he's a giver. Verse 25. So he loved the church and gave himself up for her. He's a cleanser. Good. He died. Yeah. He died. I mean, that's uh, huge. You were too happy when you said that. No. Paul, the will of God for you is die. Well, I think that's a, <laughs> but that's a hard concept for both of us, is to die to ourselves. This past week, I realized how very selfish I am, and I had to repent of that. Uh, how self-centered I am, and I know we all struggle. We need to with keep that. the mic up at your mouth for I'm that. Sorry. Part. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. You're supposed to die for me. <laughs> I've, I've got a feeling. I, I kind of have a feeling that I will be dying later. So keep, keep talking about that. Keep your mic up to your face so they can hear you. No, that wasn't it. That's good. Keep going. It's hard to um, face the fact that you, when you look at yourself at your core, that you are selfish, that you are self-centered. And in a marriage... You can't be that way. Um, not that you can't be an individual and have some independence about yourself and some things, but that you have you have to die. And when I realize for the sake of there are people in my life that don't know Jesus and don't have 
peace and joy and don't have those things that we have. And I don't know if that makes sense. I just, I realized this week, I mean, we evaluate ourselves. We look at ourselves. We make sure, not in a bad way, we just make sure, am I not a ticking list of following Jesus, but, you know, in my relationship with him and in my relationship with Paul, that checking those things out. And when you read that, again, Jesus died for me, a sinner, Mm -hmm. and then that's what you're supposed to do for me. It's huge. Yeah. I I think in a lot of marriages, we spend a lot of time going, well, you're not, you say to me, you're not loving me. And I said, well, you're not submitting to me. See how it's still me? But I think what we're learning is the longer that we're married, the less, I, I, I can speak for me, the less I'm like that, I'm not thinking so much like you're not submitting to me. I keep, I'm spending my time with God saying, I don't know if I'm loving her like you love the church. Like, so there's a lot of repentance that goes on in our home. Um, I don't know about your marriage, but, you know, I got to think repentance is a pretty big key to staying married for 23 years. Um, at some point, being willing to say, I, I'm not worried. You're a great spouse. I'm not a good spouse. God, make me a better spouse. Um, and God made us to help each other. I, I grew up in a house. I didn't hear her. I'm sorry. And so early on in our marriage, when Paul would apologize and a lot. say, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness, that was very weird for me, very foreign. Um, it did not feel good to say. It, it did, and I know this sounds weird, but it didn't feel good to say, well, I forgive you. It just felt weird. Which you actually would not say. I would not say, no. But I do now. Yeah, okay, good. I was wondering. I mean, but we would really say that. Like, I would say, um, I I asked you to, I said, I'm sorry. And you say, (laughs) she painted? I'm sorry, it's inside joke. Monsters Incorporated. Um, but I think it's important to hear the words, right? I'm sorry and I forgive you. It's important that we learn how to do that. And I think that's a practical way of how our husbands die for us. Is One way is he, and I, I mean, our children see it too. I mean, he is the first to say, I'm sorry. I make a lot of mistakes. No, no, I mean, when no, 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 we're both true. wrong, when we're both wrong, he is first to say, I'm sorry, where it, it takes me longer to do that. The good thing for you is that you can take longer. And I think that's important for the men to hear. Are all the men here in the room listening? Are you actually present? Are you, have you tuned me out yet? Um, if you're a man and you're married and you're a Christian, you don't get to go second. So grow a set, man up. You don't get to go second. You don't get to wait on the wife to apologize. You don't get to wait on her to reach across the six inches in the bed and grab your hand. You don't have that luxury. You know why you don't have that luxury? Because that's not how Jesus loves his church. Jesus didn't wait up in heaven for us as sinners to realize that we needed him and ask him to come. He came. If there's a divide in your marriage, you as a man, as a Christian man, again, this is a Christian man, you don't get to sit back and hope it gets better. You have to step into the gap. You have to be intentional. You have to be proactive. You can't be reactive. That's what it means to love like Jesus loved the church. And that's the sacrificial part. That it, He gave sacrificially. It, it's, there's a cost to that. Does that make sense? And all the women were like, yes, we love you, Pastor Bull. 
Um, verse 26, he's a cleanser. This is the kind of things, some ways that Jesus, um, that sounds like Jesus is a commercial, doesn't it? He's a cleanser. <laughs> call this number. We'll give you two Jesuses if you're the first 100 to call. Um, verse 26 says this, he loves the church to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. He's a beautifier. Verse 27, to present, he really is. It's an infomercial for Jesus. Um, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Let me just say this quickly, and then we got to wrap this thing up probably. And I'm not the wor- I'm not the best at this because I don't know if you know this, but I'm a little sarcastic at times. Shocker, isn't it? What? Wendy loves sarcasm. It's 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 my love language. <laughs> sarcasm. Um, there's a lot of husbands that throw their wives under the bus on a regular basis. If you're not a Christian, you can do it all you want. I'm, this isn't to you. But if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower and you're married, you don't get to point out her faults. Unless you're trying to help her stand blameless without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. Christian men who are married don't do things like this. Those jeans make you look fat. They don't lie. They just want they want her, I want Wendy to be in the best light. I want her to succeed. I want her to be her best. And so sometimes we're so concerned with being the boss that we don't make her the best. And in a Christian marriage, she's, she's the reason I'm here, like to love Jesus and to help her someday stand before Jesus without spot or wrinkle. So I can't take, like what does 1 Corinthians say, true love does not keep record of wrong. I mean, there's some of you guys, man, you're still mad at your wife or something that happened 20 years ago. I mean, a true Christian, we don't, you don't keep record of wrong. You don't point out there's another reason that you did it. You said you would, but you didn't. No, man, our job is to die so that she might live. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm not called to be Jesus, but to love like Jesus. And because of your position, it makes it a whole lot easier for us to submit and to hear, I'm concerned because fill in the blank. And it's easier to hear that from you when I know you have my best interest at heart. I do. (laughs) So let me just, um, and in verse 29, Jesus is a provider. Um, After all, it says, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. So Jesus provides for the church. So as husbands, we provide for our wives. Now, that doesn't mean that women can't work, okay? Um, more power to you if you do. Um, but it means that husbands are providing for their family. Financially, they're providing emotionally. I mean, they're not going to work, coming home, clicking on the news, and ever having an interaction with their family. You're providing for them. So he's a, Jesus is a giver, he's a cleanser, he's a beautifier, he's a provider. So in a word, if we could pick one word to summarize all those things, Jesus is a servant to his bride. Um, and here's what happens. 
When men love women like that, it's in the Bible. When men love women like that, they become chick magnets. It's right here in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. It says, when we love like that, it says, for this reason. For what reason? Because men love women like Jesus. For that reason, a man leaves his mom and his dad to be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Women look at men who love like Jesus and go, I want to be loved by a dude like that. And if you're single in here, forget eHarmony and Match.com and going to the bar and trying to meet girls that way. Start loving the people in your life like Jesus, and you will be flooded with women who are like, pick me, pick me. Because women like to be loved like Jesus. So here's another picture that I want you to get. Wendy has this vulnerable job. Submit to your husband. Not outhouse, but she has to submit to me. It's a command. God didn't go, by the way, if you're feeling good today, if it's, you know, not that time, submit. No, she's called to submit to Jesus first and to me. I can make it hard on her or I can make it easy on her to submit. So we talked about this one night in real marriage. It's, it's easier to submit to the head of the family when the head of the family is bowed to Jesus. If I love her like we just read, she's like, I can respect this guy. That's what it says at the end, right? It says, each of you husbands must love his wife as he loves himself. In verse 33, the, the last few words saying the wife must respect her husband. And it's like, how hard is it to respect a man who gives everything for you? Like, pretty good, isn't it? Like, I literally walked in yesterday and I was like Tom Hanks in Castaway. It's like, starter. Me, starter, I, starter, you know? It's like, and she's just like, you're the man. I know! (laughs) Right? It's like, I could have probably spent a little bit more and still not almost lost a finger and there wouldn't have been blood in the sink and all that stuff. And, you know, maybe it was stupid for me to even try to do the starter, but she's like, that's my man. And I'm like, I'm your man, right? Because I'm loving her. I'm trying to love like Jesus loves and, and it just makes us love each other more. That's the picture that I want you to get. Um, here's the end result of this, okay? Nobody loses. When, when marriages are built like this, nobody loses. Now, I know that we could sit and talk right now about lots of scenarios, even in this room, where marriage hasn't worked out. But And I don't want to be too simplistic, okay? But if you pull it all the way down, at some point in that marriage... Thinking of the other got replaced by thinking about me. Serving the other got replaced by I want to protect me. I want to make sure that I get what I need because we're thinking outhouse power, not position game plan. And so we start to take. And so if if I'm a taker and Wendy has to submit to me, does she want to? No. If I submit to a taker, he's going to stomp all over me. I don't know if you saw this or not. But Jesus is not a taker. Jesus is a giver. 
So if you submit to a giver, guess what happens? He, oh wait, I've lost you. Okay, punch the person next to you because we're almost done. This is really important. It's a big finish, right? If you submit to a giver, he's going to give. You cannot lose. It's not possible to lose. Um, the wife submits as a servant to a servant who serves her lovingly because he loves Jesus, who is a giver and not a taker. And in that scenario, no one's ever empty. No one gets abused. The lost see that, which is the game plan of God, and they wonder, how do I get that? Because I'm sitting at home with a jerk who just takes all the time, and you're married to a guy who gives all the time. How do I get that? And Wendy or anybody else in here in a godly marriage is able to say, well, the way you get that is Jesus. What? Like, do I have to go to church for that? It helps, but Jesus. Do I have to read a certain amount of scripture every day? It helps, but Jesus. Jesus loves like that. And if you're married to a man who loves like that, and you submit to a man like that, oh, Jesus. So the lost wonder, what book we read because all they know about marriage is shame. And we say to them, we read the Bible. Because this is the plan. This is the game book. This is the, the playbook for the game plan that God has in marriage. So here's what I want you to jot down. Genesis 50-20. You can read it later. In this scenario, everybody wins because Genesis 50-20 becomes a reality. In that, in that passage, after Joseph's life, he's been thrown into, into prison. He's been treated horribly by his brothers. They've tried to kill him. They've sold him, you know, taken his best stuff, put him in a foreign country. And God used all of that to make him second in command in Egypt. And so when he's standing in front of his brothers and kind of goes, the big reveal, ta-da, I'm your brother. And they're like, oh, crap, he's going to kill us. He says to them, Genesis 50, 20, which is this, what the enemy meant for harm, God meant for good. And in a, in a Christian marriage, that's what happens? The enemy wants to use marriage to shame us. But when we love and respect each other and submit like God wants us to, what the enemy wants to use for evil, God actually turns and uses for good. Because Satan uses marriage in his shame plan. God uses marriage in his game plan. The way that we treat our spouses has everything to do with whether or not the people in your life that don't know Jesus listen when you talk. It has everything to do. Now, here's what that means. Anything you want to add? No, you're good. We got to wrap this up. It means this: that Wendy and I sit in front of you humbly. Um, as soon as this message is over, there are certain people of you that are here that I will come to you and say, "How did I do?" Not because I don't have confidence in my ability to speak the truth about the Bible. But because, like we tell every married couple that we ever talk to, whether they're going through good times or bad, we, we work at our marriage. But we also are not so, so arrogant to think that people whose marriages failed didn't work at it, right? So we just know that we have, a great, we have a great marriage. We work hard at that. But I know people who have also worked hard at marriage that it didn't work out. I know people who would love to work hard at marriage, but they can't find the person to marry I mean, marriage is, there's lots of different scenarios here. But the one constant is this. God doesn't want to shame anybody. God's, his plan is grace on marriages. Grace on marriages. 
His plan is to use marriage to point people to Jesus. And wherever we fall in that, and let's say that you're called um, to be single the rest of your life. Does that mean that you sinned? Heck no. But does it mean that you tell people all the time, well, I would get married, but marriage is suck. Well, not if you're a Christian, because marriages can't suck if that's the way God planned to point people to Jesus. It means that wherever we fit in all of this, married, divorced, widowed, single, bitterly married, happily married, marriage is a great thing. And it's part of God's plan to reach a world with Jesus. And we, we get to honor that. Does that make sense? All right. Anything you want to add? Last word? You want to say hey to Hope and David again? No? Should we hold hands for the prayer? Sure. I always like doing that. Praying or holding my hand? Holding your hand. You don't like to pray? I do. I know that Wendy's done because she put the mic down. Did you get that? Did you read that? Huh? I'm a discerning husband. She's like, pray. I know. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Um, Hope we didn't botch your plan too much, God. I thank you for my wife. I thank you that you ordained today to be on our anniversary. I am humbled that you would love me enough to give me Wendy. And I'm humbled that we get to share some of what we know. I'm really humbled that you as a sovereign God would choose to use marriage, which is something that is hard to show the world how much you love them. I pray specifically today for people in the room who, when we read the stats earlier, relate to those stats. Um, That's hard. And I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you don't throw us away because we fail. You redeem us. You change us. You say, hey, man, I'm using you anyway. We can never outrun your grace. We can never do anything that would disqualify us from being loved by you and used by you. So I pray today that um, we would not walk out of here thinking about all the things we've done wrong in marriage, but that we would walk out of here seeing marriage the way you do and seeing how much you love us, how much you want us. In your name, Jesus. Amen.